global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are advancing. The S&P 500 index snapping a two-day losing streak. We have got the S&P up nine points now to 2159, a gain of four-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials up 114 points, up six-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ up 26, a gain of five-tenths of one percent. The 10-year down 930 seconds, the yield 1.72 percent. Gold is down 20 cents the ounce to 12.69. Little change there. Crude oil 49.74 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude. It is up now by 2.2 percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Let's take stock of global markets with Hugh Johnson. He is the chairman and the chief investment officer for Hugh Johnson Advisors, helping to manage more than $1.2 billion in customer assets based in Albany, New York. Hugh Johnson, welcome to the program. To be with you, Pim. All right. So are you going to make some rational sense about what's going on in the stock market? I understand that earnings are not great. So why would stocks be moving consistently higher? Well, they're not really moving consistently higher. That's one, one observation I would make. You know, if you look back about the last eight to, eight to 10 weeks and they look at the S&P 500, it seems to be really stuck in this sort of 2150 on the low side maybe 2180, 2190 on the high side. We're not making much progress. We have good days, 100-point days on the upside, 100-point days on the downside, but we're really not making any progress. And I would say that the reason for that, uh, Pim, is the only explanation I can give is that we've hit the hit the wall of overvaluation. And a lot of investors, especially sophisticated investors, are saying, under the current earnings scenario, it's really hard to make the case for a significant move up in stock prices. So something's got to give. Something's got to give on the earnings side. Prospects for earnings have got to get a lot better before people will really step up to the plate at this level, unless we get that outbreak of speculation. Is it because, Hugh, that there's just not, broadly speaking, enough growth for earnings to be stronger. Now, we know, of course, in any economy, in any industry or sector, there are there are companies that grow regardless, right? But if you look at the fact that the economy in the first half grew, what, just over 1% GDP, that's not so hot. No. Uh, the second quarter, excuse me, the third quarter now, according to Atlanta Fed, is looking like just over 2%. If you average those three quarters, you know, what do you have? Not a lot of GDP growth. What does that macro kind of fundamental fact mean for companies who are trying to make money and grow those earnings? Just exactly what you suspect. It's awfully hard. You know, we've had real good earnings growth up till recently, and we've had real good economic growth, but everything has slowed down. There, there are a lot of reasons for it. Number one, of course, is that the labor force is not is really anemic. The growth rate of the labor force simply isn't there. Participation rate down. Productivity is not doing what it should do. It's hard to make the case, quite frankly, Kathleen, under these conditions for anything but uh, two and a half percent growth on the high side. As I look at it, we're looking at one and a half percent in the 2016. And at best in 2017 and 18, 2.3% growth. And so under those conditions, any any company that's trying to do business uh, domestically and there's not much going on elsewhere in the world either, 
uh, it's really hard to make the case for strong revenue growth and strong earnings growth. It's just really tough to do that. Hugh, you mentioned valuation, and I'm wondering if you could just offer a little bit of detail, maybe even an anecdote, because, you know, the concept of valuation can be very amorphous when it comes to stocks. I mean, if I was, you know, if you went into a store and saw a banana and it was priced at 20 bucks, you, you know, you'd recoil and you'd say, wow, that's, that's just too expensive, unless it's a, I don't know, golden banana or something. But, you know, like for example, Goldman Sachs, the stock is up $4 today, 166 bucks a share. Uh, it's trading at a PE of about 11 and a half. Tell people what that means in terms of valuation and how you view that. Well, you got to look at it historically, and you have to, if you look at the overall market, uh, you, there are two things that really are make, make the case for uh, valuation, and one is earnings. And, of course, there we're talking about, you know, as we've just been talking, slow earnings growth. In fact, it'll be down in 2016, up maybe at best something like, oh, say, 1.5% in 2017. That's not much growth for the market, or you can't really hang your hat on that. So you just hope that the other side of the equation is for that given level of earnings, even though it's not very high, that investors will pay a high price for it. In other words, price-earnings ratios will go up. Well, price-earnings ratios, unfortunately, are a function of interest rates. And we know the Fed, or we think, we suspect very strongly the Fed's going to be raising rates. Other interest rates will be going up. Well, if interest rates are going up, price-earnings ratios will come down a little bit. So you put those two things together. Earnings on the one side, you don't get much there. Price-earnings ratios on the other side, you don't get anything there. It might even go down. And you ask yourself the question, you scratch your head, what is it? Where's the beef? What's going to drive this market higher? And unless it's speculation, uh, you know, I'm I'm very puzzled, and I'm, I'm hoping for that I'm wrong. I'm hoping something happens, and I can make the case for stronger earnings growth, but I can't do it yet, and I've been trying for three or four months to do it. Okay, and then, of course, you have the Federal Reserve. It's just going to probably raise the key rate once for the rest of the year, right. and then maybe a couple times next year. It doesn't really slow things down much. ECB may buy some fewer bonds. I mm-hmm. guess here's the question. People say, oh, cares, what, 25 basis points, 50 basis points, it's not going to make that much difference. But I guess maybe the, the, again, if you take the, the fundamental changes, two big central banks becoming a little less stimulus. How much difference does that make to companies, to investors? Not a lot at this level, Kathleen. I think you understand that, you know, interest rates are, have been at a historically low level for such a long period of time, and it's not going to make a big difference. It makes a little bit of a difference, a little incremental difference. I mean, there's just sort of a little bit less appetite or willingness or even ability uh, to borrow money, but it's not going to be all that significant. It will slow a little bit but not significantly, but we're slowing from an already slow rate. And so how do you make the case for stronger earnings growth, stronger revenue growth under these conditions with interest rates rising? Well, it's, 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 it's hard to do. That's not good news that interest rates would be going up a little bit. It's not all that bad news, incidentally, but it's, it's not particularly good news. And then, of course, on the fiscal side of things, everybody's very worried about the deficit and how big it's going to be. You know, every politician's talking about $20 trillion deficits. If they start to move towards restraint, start to reduce spending, and you've got the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, well, on a big picture basis, you've got a little bit to be concerned about. And let's, let's keep in mind that this is, that we're not in the early stages of this cycle. We're in the later stages of this cycle, or at least the cycle is well along. I mean, 91 months, and the average is 57 months. So, you know, 
Um, it's just I, I lo- I'm a big buyer of stocks. I'm a bull on stocks. I've been that way all my life. But right now I'm having a little bit tougher time making the case. Can you make the case for buying an energy stock like Exxon Mobil? I was looking at your yeah, comments yeah. about commodity prices. They have certainly risen consistently this year. Well, now they, now you're getting right at it, which is you've got to find things that – you know, really haven't done that well if we take a look at the last two or three years and obviously energy prices or oil prices being down, energy stocks not having performed well, they're catching up now. Uh, you bet. Uh, the question really is when we get to the energy sector of a portfolio, first of all, you've got good valuation metrics there. Uh, it's, it's not overvalued. Other parts of the market may be overvalued. It's not overvalued. It's undervalued. That's number one. So, therefore, you have to make the case for or you have to be comfortable that oil prices are going to stay at current levels and maybe even move a little higher. I do a lot of work on oil prices, and I can make the case for the low 50s, even moving up a little bit from there, maybe very volatile, but moving up a little from there. It makes a real good case for an undervalued sector of the market. And when you're putting together a portfolio in the energy sector, make sure – that under under conditions of rising oil prices, you have exploration companies. A company like Exxon would be a great buy. And also hedge that with a company like a refiner like Valero, which we own in all our portfolios. I own personally. Valero is not going to do well when rising prices are rising, but it will give you a hedge in case we're wrong and prices, oil prices go down. I, that's very complex, but the energy sector is a very attractive sector. Technology. Who who could be, again, if you're not going to pick buy the whole industry, but you could say that's a company I can make some money on. Apple. 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 I, I, I've said Apple so many times for so, so often, and we've, we've had to obviously weathered some periods when there's a lot of skepticism about Apple. What are they going to do next? But when you take a look at the obvious metrics and Apple, when you take a look at their balance sheet and see the cash position, when you take a look at the cash that's being, uh, the cash flow analysis, when you take a look at the cash that's being generated, uh, even if, and I think this will happen, even if the growth rate slows from something and let's call it an 18% growth rate down to a 4% growth rate and they don't come up with a, a, a genuinely new idea, you still have such a large, powerful company. They can do an awful lot. They can raise dividends. They can buy stock back, and it hardly will make a blip on their uh, balance sheet. So I look at Apple, and I think that's a company that, yeah, I know I have to go through a lot of tough days with Apple, but I think the upside potential there is, let's call it $140 a barrel as we, excuse me, barrel, $140 a price, uh, a, a target um, over the over a little bit longer period of time. Well, you know, sometimes people think Apple does sell barrels of uh, of iPhones, Hugh. So maybe your barrel idea for Apple is not a bad one. Hugh Johnson, Chairman, Chief Investment Officer of Hugh Johnson Advisors. He says it's getting very tough to make a case for the stock market to move significantly higher. A longtime bull. He says he can't quite do it, but he keeps trying. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Tim Fox. We're going to cover the market close, the movers and shakers coming up on Taking Stock. This is Bloomberg.